We are in this series, and it's, it's been a, a good series so far. I have questions, and God has answers. And it's just nice to know that in the midst of our crazy, crazy lives, that somebody somewhere has answers, and we believe that it's Almighty God. And he wants to reveal those things to us. So far in this series, we've gone a couple places. The first one was, what does God want from me? And if I could put my own twist on that, it would be like, God, what do you want from me? Sometimes it's out of frustration that we call those things out. Or last week, where is God when it hurts? If you missed either of those two, you can get onto our Facebook. You can go back to those service, services and track your way through those. But today we're going to look at a brand new question, and I'll reveal that to you in just a second. Uh, but before we get to that question, uh, I want you to know that Virginia and I have lived north, south, east, and west Coast Guard days, and then ministry days. So we have lived all over the place, but we spent a, a little stop in upstate New York for 18 years. So just a little bit of a stop up there for 18 years. Virginia grew up in New York City. Upstate New York is what we call the other New York. There's another New York, and it's a lot like upstate here. There's lakes, there's mountains. It's, it's a really cool place to live. And so um, in our backyard flowed a little creek called the Choconut Creek. And so most of the time it looked like this shale bed um, just rolled right on through. We could kayak to the Susquehanna River on this creek. Above us, water, water holes we could swim in. Below us, water holes we could swim in. There was a little waterfall that was right in front of our house, this rock. That's where our backyard came up to. And it just was a really nice place to live, except for three times. And three times it flooded in that region. One of those floods, we got close to 12 inches in under three hours of rainfall. And just think, that is just, that's a lot of water. And there were sheets of water pouring off of the hills into the spillways, which was every creek, every, every little place water could go. And so during that time, um, our neighborhood got flooded, our town got flooded, our region got flooded, and this is kind of what it looked like in Center City, Binghamton during one of these floods. And so you can see that the water levels are so high, you can just imagine that one of the things that happened was we went without power. It knocked out power, and then we didn't have power for close to a week. And so one of the things we found out uh, when you don't have power is that things that should work don't work. Like what? Like everything. Everything. We plug everything in. It's like without power, things are harder than they should be. What were some of the things that were harder? Well, cooking. Laundry, personal hygiene. We had a couple teenage boys, so family hygiene. Family hygiene. <laughs> Without power, things got really, really messy 
really smelly. Not only did we clean up our own mess, but we got on mission in the community and we were going door to door. So there were, there were houses that we didn't want to open up. There were doors to basements that we just, it's like, I don't want to open this door, but we've got to. Garages, refrigerators, freezers, just all these things that now for a couple days they'd been sitting and getting hot and it was smelly and dirty and it was moldy in those spaces. And it's like, man, without power, a lot of things get ugly and they get ugly really fast. Just surprised at how quick mold can set up. But did you know that the same principle applies to us spiritually? That we were made for power. We were made for God's power. And when we have God's power, changes that God wants to bring in our lives, they're easier. But when we don't have power, things get really stagnant. Things get really dirty and awful and smelly and ugly. And they lead us to the question, can I really change? We've been in that position where we're flying low and slow. We don't have any power in our lives. And we wonder, God, is it really possible for me to change? And when we're going through periods of time when there's, there's no change at all or slow change, it makes us lose confidence that we ever could change. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I've just been God looking in the mirror just saying, God, I really want to change. What is going to help me change? And so that's kind of where we're going today. Do I have power or do I not have power? Power is what I need to power a supernatural relationship. Well, just take a quick inventory for you. I don't know where you are. I want power. I want need power. How about you? Maybe you want to, maybe you don't. So you're going to just inventory a few things in your life. Ask yourself the question, what is not working that should be working? Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's you at work or school or in the environment that you're in. It's like those things are not going the way that they should. Living the kind of life that God has created you for. And you just feel like, man, I'm living at a different level. I'm living below the level that God wants me to live. What is harder in your life than it should be? Man, I'm just not uh, able to make changes for the better in my life. Decisions are difficult for me. I'm having trouble dealing with the consequences of my actions. And they're coming down on me real heavy. And so we can get ourselves into a situation where we're trying to live the Christian life. But to live that life with no power. And with no power, church is a chore. The Bible's just a book. Worship is just singing. And it seems like we're trying to do something. It's taken all this effort from us and it's providing no real turn or return 
on investment for us. And so here we are just thinking, man, it's, it's ugly sometimes living life without power. And so today for us, maybe it's time for us to turn on the power. Can you really change? Well, my first answer to that question is basically this. Uh, it depends on you. Do you have power or no power? And then today, I want to kind of revise my answer to that and say, you know what? Yes, you can change, but it's going to require power, God's power. So life was not so very different 2,000 years ago. And uh, there was a city, and the name of the city was Ephesus. We have a book of the Bible called Ephesians, and that's Paul's letter to the Ephesian people. They lived in this city of Ephesus, and they were a people that were facing a lot of struggles. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about their struggles, but I want you to fast forward those things into your experience today, because who is the Bible written for? This letter was written to the Ephesians, but this letter is God's letter to you and to me. So the truth of what is conveyed here today is God's truth that carries all the way forward to right here and right now with us. So Ephesus was a capital city. It was a wealthy city. Um, it was, I mean, a city at that time that had a 25,000 seat amphitheater 25,000 seat and you think it's like you think back to these cities 2,000 years ago and you think they were probably small little neighborhood places this is a huge huge city now at the center of this city is the worship of a pagan god Artemis Diana and the whole economy was based around this worship of a false god the whole economy was built on it. So Paul comes to this city and he shares the gospel and people begin to believe and crisis breaks out in the city and there was a huge riot that happened and that's described in Acts chapter 19. Now we're going to go to Ephesians. So if you're heading somewhere in your Bible, you can start turning to Ephesians 1. But this riot and in this situation, Paul had said, man-made gods are no gods at all. Jesus Christ is the only way. Huge changes are going to be required about what you believe and who you believe in. And a riot broke out. And the people of Ephesus were shouting at the top of their lungs, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And, you know, by some accounts, that was going on for like two hours. A riot is going on. Things are getting close to being violent. And that riot was eventually quelled. But the people of Ephesus were facing a crisis do I believe in Jesus? Do I continue to believe in Artemis? The Ephesian Christians who had already made that decision, they were like, man, it's dangerous to believe what I believe. I could get killed out there in a riot because 
We're upsetting the apple cart. We're upsetting the economy. We're upsetting what people have believed for a long time. And so this group of people really needed some help. And they needed some spiritual help. And they, they needed spiritual power. So later on, when Paul is in prison, he's writing to encourage the church that is still in Ephesus and is surviving and thriving. But he writes to them, and in the letter that he writes to them, there are two big, big prayers. We're going to look at the first prayer that was prayed for the Ephesians. And we're going to look at that prayer from our own chair today and just think, man, that prayer went out to the Ephesians, but it comes home to you and me right now. God is concerned that we would have what we need to grow in him. And so let's now turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We'll look at verses 18 through 20. And we're going to look at the key to spiritual power. Yep, they needed it back then. You and I need it today. So here we go. Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And so he prays this prayer, and you can think about you and you can think about them just with everything that's going on in your life, asking the question, can I really change? Well, the answer to that is yes, you can, but it's going to require some power, and we're going to talk a little bit about how we get that today. So let's just walk through that verse. Paul says, I pray. You know, prayer is always a really good place to start. Often it's the last thing that we do. But Paul comes right out of the gate and he says, I pray. I pray. I'm calling on almighty God. A supernatural work needs to be done. And so the only one who can provide supernatural power is God himself. And so Paul prays that the eyes of your heart. Now, your heart doesn't have physical eyes. We're talking about the heart being the seat of your emotions, your emotional self. That's where you feel things. That's where you kind of, you know, sense and feel life. But that the eyes of your heart, vision into the spiritual realm, vision that allows us to get wisdom, see and understand God's word, that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened. And so enlightened, the best word for it is go over to the wall switch and flick. And it was dark and it is light. We didn't understand and suddenly we do understand. It's a heart understanding that God brings And it's way more than knowing one plus one equals two. It's the eyes of our heart are opened up. The curtain, the veil is lifted. 
And now we truly, truly understand. So he's praying that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened in order that we may know. I want to tell you that um, when I was a student, I was in danger. I had to decide what kind of student I was going to be. And Miss Shannon, if she was my teacher, she just sat me in the corner. Because as a student, I was going to try to fluff and charm my way through school. And I was not going to learn. I was going to fluff. But then life goes on. And you find out that there's things that are really, really important for you to know. And it stops being funny because you really sit there and you go, man, I really, really wish I had paid attention because there's important things that we need to know to live life. And so he's praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know three things. And we're going to walk through those three things. The first is the hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he has called you. He wants you to know the hope. He wants you to have revelation on the hope to which he has called you. And I love to talk about hope. Now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is Well, love, that's the greatest. But hope is in the big three. And I love hope. And, you know, hope is what is out in front of us. I like to look at it this way. Regret catches us looking backwards, looking over our shoulder and going, man, I wish I hadn't, I wish I had done something. But that's what regret does for us. Fear freezes our feet fear keeps us held right here in the present but hope is a forward-looking thing and I like to look forward and I like the idea of hope because even though we don't have it yet it means that things don't have to stay the same and God has called us into a hope And he is actually our hope. And it is a relationship that brings forgiveness, healing, a new destination for us, heaven, a new relationship in his family. And he wants our eyes opened up to this hope that we have and that we've been called into. The next of those three that he wants us to know is the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I don't know about you. Early in the week, I was going, what does that mean? There's a lot. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I got to spend the whole week just walking through the fact that God says about you and me and all the people who believe in him, You are his inheritance. And this is something that brings him glory. You know, in the book of Ephesians, things that weren't known before have now been made known. Talking about the glory of God being made manifest or real to them. And it was all theoretical before. Now it's completely practical. God's people bring him incredible glory If you looked at God's investment portfolio, 
he would open it up and there your picture would be. Because you are his inheritance. You are the one that is valuable to him. And it's rich. And it's lavish. And it's abundant. And God wants you to know that that is your status before him. Loved, beloved by the God of heaven. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. He wants you not just to know it up here. He wants you to have revelation on that. And he wants you to walk around like, you know what? I am God's inheritance. That's going to put a little bit of confidence in your step. It's going to change how you see you, how you see the world. It's going to change some things. And then he wants us to know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Now, I have been in hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, typhoons, water spouts, microblasts, all kinds of different things. A, a thunderstorm will just straight up scare you to death if it's right on top of you. And those bolts are flashing down. And God's power is even greater than all of those things. The word is incomparable, incomparably great power for us who believe. Now, most of us walk around not knowing the kind of power that is available to us. Truth is, we're going to need the spiritual power, but it's not a box that we check off. It's nice to have. It's necessary that we have it. But probably to a person, I know that I am guilty of this. I underestimate the power that is available to me as a believer. And Paul's prayer is that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to the fact that there's an incomparable power at work in us who believe. And in case we didn't catch that, he goes on and further explains that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That power, dunamis, that power is the, the word we derive the word dynamite from. But it's even way, way more powerful than that. This is death to life power. This was I was lost and now I'm found power. This is the transition from what we were to what we will be. And God wants to know it. God wants us to know it. God wants us to understand it. God wants us to live in it. And so this power is power to change. This is power to change. And how do you get this power? Well, our choices are going to determine our power. Say, wait a second. This is God's power. Um, he'll just give it to us. Yes, he will. And they're going to come through the avenue of the choices that we make. Let me explain. The first and biggest choice that we ever make for God is to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord. And does. 
Yes, what that does for us when we receive Christ is that the old becomes new. He comes into our life and he makes us new. There is a metamorphosis that occurs. We are born, spiritually born from above. The Holy Spirit begins to speak and illuminate in our lives. But that's accessed and activated through our choice to receive Jesus. What other kind of choices do we make from there? Well, in just a few moments, we're going to witness an incredible baptism. It's going to be phenomenal for us to participate in. And that is the public testimony of something that has happened inwardly for us. The outward sign of an inward act. And when we decide to get baptized, more power opens up to us. A more powerful testimony in front of our friends, family, people that we know, the world. We have a new boldness that can come from that step. Well, salvation and baptism, is that all there is? Well, no. Kind of the next step after that is our journey to find freedom to allow God to work in all of our hurts, all of our hang-ups, the things that have held us back, the things that have hurt us. And God wants us to be able to move forward. How do we do that? Well, we look into his word. We study his word. We receive his promises and more power comes into our lives because we know the specific promises that apply to our hurts. Does it stop there? Nope. Once we have experienced and are walking in this freedom, God wants us to discover what our purpose is, why we were created, how we were uniquely created. And when we discover that, power enters in. And then we connect in some area where we get to serve other people and our life becomes more than just about ourselves. And we walk in that and God increases the power that we walk in. And he begins to change us. And a lot of times we'll be looking over our shoulder and realize that change has come. I tried to grit and bear down and create that change in my life, and that just didn't seem to be working. But as I walked in the testimony of knowing Christ, as I went into the waters of baptism, as I pursued freedom and the, the promises that God has made to me per, personally, and then discovering how I was uniquely made and applying that. Power up, change can happen in our lives. And that's God's will and his desire for us. So how do you access that? How do I access that? We take a life step, a life step. A lot of times that life step is a next step but it's what I do once I hear the word of God. I don't just sit on what I know. Now I act on it. And like 
My son and I, when we discovered that the water was overtaking us, we had to act right then and make a decision right then because that's when it would make a difference. Our escape from danger. Sometimes life is that immediate. Your next step is identified to you, and now there is, it's mission critical for you to take that next step. Live in the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Pray for this same power to be at work in me, and here today is your application. Pray for this same power to help me too. And you and only you can fill in that blank. Only you know what your next step is. But God is standing there ready to give you the power that will help you to change. You just need to step in that. You need to live in that power. It raised Jesus from the dead, that power to be at work in you. It's God's will and desire that that power is available to you, for you. And only you know that this power today can help you to take your next step. Well, let's pray. God, we're praying for each and every one here in this, in this room. We believe your word. We receive it as the word of God. And we're praying now, Lord, for the power that is not comparable to anything else that we know. It is incomparably great. And it is at work in us who believe. So, Lord, today I just pray that uh, if there's someone here who hasn't made that first and best decision, Lord, that they would receive you as Lord and Savior right here and right now. They would ask you into their heart by faith. And Lord, that you would come in and make them a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And Father, for some it would be taking the step into the waters of baptism. And we know that that doesn't save. It's an outward sign of an inward act. But it does raise our power level the power of our testimony about who you are and how you love and that you lived and you died for me and for us and our boldness increases father the next step that is just the fill in the blank known to uh, each and every one of us, I, I tend to think that I'm most acquainted with my own suffering and the areas that I need your help. Probably true for everyone here. 
So the way that we call out to you now for more power, and we want it to be at work in our lives. And God, we know that as we do this personally, we receive great benefit, but we know that it goes beyond us. It goes all across the church. It impacts our ability to be on mission. It impacts the testimony that we have around the community, in our families, in our homes, just in many, many different ways. And we pray for your power and your strength to increase in us, manifest in us, so that we can tell the world about you. And Lord, we're asking for your help in this. We ask for your power. We ask for the power to change. And now with your help, Lord, we believe that it can happen. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.